And here's how giving works. Um, so my wife and I, we have, um, we have some, life is expensive, right? <laughs> like, it's real expensive. We have some new bills coming up this fall that we haven't paid before. And so when I say, we're going to give to patients for her missions, we can't afford to. But that's the beauty of giving, because um, we can't afford not to. I know Ladina said earlier, like, every time you give, you give more. Every time you're led to give, God leads you to give more and more and more. And every time God has led me to give, he has never um, said, I'm not going to give you what you need to give to others. And I know that here in a couple months, we have another young lady at our church that's going to be sharing what she's going to be doing in missions. And guess what? God's going to call me to give again. And God's going to call you to give again. And am I worried about it? Not in the slightest, because God has always uh, had my back. And so we trust God through tithing. We trust God through giving to missionaries. We trust God to giving to ministry projects. God, um, you just can't outgive him. You can't. He will always give and give and give so you can give more and more and more and more. So please do pray for patience, um, but put some action behind the prayers and, and give to support as well. And you can do with that QR code or as you leave. And there's actually a lot of you here who are missionaries or who do mission work in our city. And, and we are praying for your uh, your financial um, needs because you need uh, resources. Like she said, this is a full-time thing. My favorite thing as a pastor was when people ask me what I do for a living, when they know I'm a pastor, and I'm like, I do that. Well, isn't that just Sunday for like two hours? And, and I kind of laugh to myself, and then I go cry. Um, <laughs> so this, this is a lot of you have been called to ministry that takes up, it's not full-time, it's like double time or triple time. This is, this is life. So those of you who God's calling into ministry, I talked to a young man this week that said, God's calling me into ministry. I'm like, man, it's hard. Get ready. Actually, several young men I've talked to this week. God's calling us into full-time ministry. Awesome. Full-time means about 120 hours a week. You still want to do it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Go for it. We are called to minister. And so we're in this series right now that is called Open Doors. And I have some bad news for you today. Um, the bad news is, is that I have been in ministry for about 20 years. I've been a pastor for about 18 years, and I've been the senior pastor of this church for 14 years. That's wild to think. And I never really, uh, like, labor over preaching. What that means is I, I don't really struggle with some messages that I have to give. I can think of, like, four messages that I've really struggled with. And by struggled, it means, like, I lost sleep this week over our message today. And I, I actually never have lost sleep over a message before. And it's funny because there's not really a complicated message. And I was trying to figure out what, why is there so much opposition? Why is there so much wrestling with this message that God has for us today? And I, I think the enemy, as Ladina just mentioned, wants to kind of rob you of the opportunity of what you're going to hear about in this sermon today. And I was I was actually really praying that this would turn into two sermons, um, and it actually did at the first service. And so that's good news for you and good news for me. But God wants you to hear today about uh, vision for your life, what it means to have vision in your life. And so in this series, Open Doors, we've been looking at this idea, week one, that Jesus is the door, and anyone that comes in through him will be saved. And so we declared, we believe, um, I believe God shared to me that we're in a season of open doors. And the first step of walking through open doors is to receive Jesus Christ, to enter into the door that is salvation, as he says in John chapter 10. And part of walking through the door of salvation is opening the door to your heart to allow Jesus to inhabit every room, every closet, every corner of your home, so to say. And that word is also for Christians, as Revelation chapter 3 says, Jesus, in the life of believers, he is standing at the door and knocking. And he says, if anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears the knock and hears my voice, and if they open the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he will eat with me. We'll have communion. We'll have fellowship together. Week two, I talked about this idea of open heavens that I believe that right now, we're in a season of open heavens where the Spirit of God is moving on people as he always has, but he's moving in the lives of people in a unique way where people are experiencing 
the gifts of the Spirit like they never have before, where people are experiencing God called them into ministry like they never have before, where people are responding to God and God is responding to them with miracles and acts of power and blessings in their life to compel them and propel them to do more ministry. And then last week we talked about the idea of open opportunity, that right now I believe we are in a season of open doors for receptivity. A season of open doors for effectiveness in people, especially young people, receiving the gospel. And even this week, I saw that play out again and again and again and again, where there's something special, there's something unique about this nook in history that we are in right now, where God is opening doors for his kingdom to be expanded. And we must be very aware of that. And I told you last week that this week we're going to talk about not just open doors, not just open heavens, not just open opportunity. But today we are going to be talking about an open tent flap. And Brandon Johnson came in yesterday for our work day. And by the way, if you came to our work day, thank you. We had, I didn't count how many people we had at the work day, but in all my years of ministry, there was like way beyond um, the number I've ever seen at a work day before. Like Maybe 70 people here doing work on the workday was incredible. And a lot of work got done. But it wasn't the work that was being done um, that I was encouraged by. It wasn't just the fact that a lot of people came that I was encouraged by. I was encouraged by the work of relationship that was being done. I saw people making friends. I saw people connecting. I saw people ministering to each other. I saw people being able to be themselves and not feel like they have to hide or be ashamed of who they are, but just sharing life with people. And I saw that yesterday. It was amazing. But during the workday, Brandon had said he would bring in a, a tent to set up for me for this message. And I said it needs to be a small tent. And my whole family could have slept in it, like my extended family. And so it wasn't that small. And Brandon's like, I guess it's not as small as I thought. I'm like, no, it's not. And so last night, um, as I was, it was like 8 p.m., he texts me and said, hey, I'm, I'm at Walmart. Can I buy a tent and bring in that's very small? And I'm like, absolutely. So he showed up before me this morning, and he bought. He, is this for me, Brandon? He's not even in here. He doesn't even care. Is this, it's for me. He's like, thumbs up. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So with that being said, I hate camping. <laughs> I love hiking. I love the outdoors. I love everything about adventure, but I don't like this part. In fact, I don't even mind sleeping on the ground. Sleeping on the ground is not a problem for me. Um, sleeping on a sleeping bag on the ground, not a problem for me. I have an aversion to tents, and I don't know what it is. I, I'm working through with my therapist um, <laughs> some trauma I experienced, and it, maybe I don't know what happened. Um, but, but tents, for some reason, I, I think it's the smell, actually. Like, no tent smells good. Uh, so I have an aversion to tents. I don't like tents. And I was talking with someone a couple days ago that asked if, if I would go, you know, they were asked if I'd go camping with them or do something, and I said, can I, can I sleep on the ground? They're like, yes. And then Brandon, he reminded me, he's like, yeah, I, tents are not the best, but what about the mosquitoes? And I was like, that's why. That's the reason for tents. And so tents do come in handy. So what does this have to do with anything? I'm glad you asked. We've been given a mission as Christians. As, as Christians, our mission, according to Jesus in Matthew 28, is to go make disciples of all nations, to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, to teach people to obey all of his commands. That's the great commission. It's the mission of Jesus. Last week, we shared that in relation to this open season of effectiveness that as a church, we have a mission. And and every missions organization, every ministry, every church should have a mission statement. Your business probably has a mission statement. Our mission as a church is to connect people to an everlasting, committed relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. And if, if we're not doing that, this is not worth any of our time. If, if this church does not have a mission, and if we are not about the mission, I, I do not want to be the pastor. If we're not about mission, this, none of you should come. We have to be about mission. We have to be about the work of Jesus Christ. I had a, a young person before our service came, and they, they quoted the mission statement that they memorized this week. Because remember last week in both of our services, I said I'd give kids $20 Amazon gift cards. And so I got one, one down, and everybody else missed out. So good job, Bentley. Bentley memorized our mission statement. 
don't you ever forget it. So we are about mission. And as we're about mission, being on mission kind of means that we're on a journey. It kind of means that, that we're aiming towards something. Mission answers the question, why do I exist? And the answer to the question, why do I exist, that is your mission. And so if you're a Christian, we all share the same mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But in that, God gives to each of us unique spiritual gifts, unique personalities, unique skills, unique abilities, unique families, unique places of origin, where each of us have unique missions specific to our life. But no one goes camping to stay in the tent. I'll make that more clear. No one goes to the lake. No one goes to the river. No one goes to the beach. No one goes into the desert or up into the mountains in order that they may stay in a tent. That is the worst part of camping. There are many pros of camping. Some of you like to swim in the lake. Some of you like to go hiking. Some of you like to go mountain biking. Some of you like to ride quads. Some of you like to, I talked to several people today, like we go out and we hunt bears. I'm like, show me the evidence. They're like, we can't. We never get bears when we go bear hunting. I'm like, maybe hunt for something else. (laughs) Poor Matt didn't even get a bear. So no one goes camping to stay in the tent. We go camping to do the things that come with camping. No one goes camping just for s'mores. How many of you like s'mores? I don't. They're sticky. They're gross. Um, some of you go camping because you like to go fishing. I talked to uh, Emmy earlier. She said she got her, was it her first fish yesterday? Yeah, so she got a fish. I'm like, did you eat it? She's like, no. But she caught a fish nonetheless. We go for the good things. Here's why I go camping, which I, I don't go camping, by the way. <laughs> There's a guy yesterday at the workday. He was in our first service. His name's Rob. He's like, Pastor, I've got something to show you. Yesterday was such a good day. I'm like, what happened yesterday? He's like, I got an RV. And he's like, okay, so? And he's like, well, this is good because when I go bear hunting, when I go hunting, I don't have to stay in one of these. And I'm like, oh, that is a good day. That is nice, actually. And so a lot of you have RVs. A lot of you have motorhomes. A lot of you have these, these, these great things. And it's like, but we don't go to stay in the tent. My favorite thing about camping, if I were to go camping, is actually uh, the campfire. Campfire, I think, is the best part of camping, one of them. And you can stare into that fire, and it provides more entertainment than hours of YouTube would ever provide, just staring and listening to the crackle and talking around that fire and inhaling that smoke and smelling so bad like campfire. Brian and I shared a romantic campfire last week. No camping was involved. And our wives were there. So I like campfire. But there's actually something I like more about camping than campfires. And what I enjoy more the most about camping is the stars. To go out into the wilderness away from the city lights and to look up into the dark night sky and to look at all of the... How many of you enjoy stargazing? There are billions upon billions upon billions of stars and billions upon billions upon billions of galaxies. But I was doing some research. We can only see a couple thousand stars in the night sky from our perspective. But those few thousand stars we can see, they fill the night sky with such beauty. And the darker places you go, the more magnificent the stars are. The less the moon is out, the more you can see the stars. The less there are streetlights, the more you can see the stars. There are actual designated parks within the U.S. that are considered like, I think they're called dark places or dark protected zones. My wife and I went to one of these in Utah on Canyonlands National Park, and we went to this parking lot. There was no one, I don't think, around for dozens of miles, and it was just pitch black, and we had the most magnificent view of the stars I've ever seen in my life. If you stay in your tent, you can't see the stars. No one goes on a journey to not experience anything. How strange would it be to say, let's pack up and go camping and then never leave the tent? Nobody would want to do that. But we go out so that we can see what's in front of us. And looking at the stars at night, it gives you a sense of awe. It gives you a sense of vision. If you're lacking vision for your life, looking up at the stars seems to make everything make more sense and bring everything home as you see how insignificant you are, how great God is, and how great the universe he's created for us, and yet he still loves us and died for us, it doesn't make sense, and it's amazing. 
but you will never experience the campfire. You will never experience the hike. You will never experience the fishing. And you will never see the stars if you do not get out of the tent. The tent represents comfort. The tent represents safety. The tent represents just simply being. Some of you, you might say, well, I went camping. Well, what did you do? I sat in the tent. This is so much like our mission as Christians. I'm a Christian. Okay, you're on mission. What are you doing with that? You're just sitting in a tent. You've actually done nothing. You need to have vision for your ministry. You need to have vision for your life. You need to have a vision for your family. Mission answers the question, why do I exist? But a vision is different. Vision is who you are becoming. Vision is what you desire to be. Vision is the direction that you are going. And you have to get out of the tent if you want to see the stars and have some vision. And so many of us, all of us, in fact, have a mission, but so many of us lack any vision for our lives. Some of you had vision for your lives. And then your lives happened, and you lost your vision. And you think that because you've reached a certain age, or you think that because you lack a certain amount of money, or you think that because you're in a certain position, or you've been in a divorce, or you have this custody issue, or this, or this, or this, or this, or this, or this is going on, that your vision's just dead. But I'm here to tell you, if God gave you a vision, the vision doesn't die. You just put it in a tent. You need to step out of the tent and allow yourself to start dreaming again. And so the title of today's message is, again, Open Tent Flap. What does it mean to have vision for your life? And we're going to look at that with the life of a man named Abram, who we know later as Abraham. And we find his story starting in Genesis chapter 12. And the story of his family takes us to the end of the book. And um, this message... My notes are normally about 10 pages long. Last service, we got to page 2, and I think that's what's going to happen today as well. So Genesis 12, verse 1, if you want to look that up, I actually purposely didn't put it on the screen today. But Genesis chapter 12, we're going to look at the beginning of Abram's story. God tells Abram 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years before Christ, he is living in Mesopotamia, specifically a place called Aram, be similar to where Iraq would be today. He says, go from your country and go from your kindred. Go from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that it will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is interesting for many reasons. The number one reason is Abram didn't know who God was. Um, secular history will tell us that Abram was the, basically the founder of monotheism, the, the belief in one God. Now, the belief in one God has always existed because there's only ever been one God. But by the time of Abram, humanity had forgotten that. And so God calls Abram, but Abram doesn't know God. He doesn't know the God of Israel. Israel doesn't even exist yet. It was going to come through his grandson. Abram didn't know any of this. He just heard the voice of God. Something within him resonated as he recognized the voice of God, though he did not know God. And God says, Abram, get out of your tent and get up and go. And Abram says, I got it, God, but where am I going? And God says, oh, you don't need to know. Just go. But which direction should I go? Just, Abram, just go. Go to the place I will show you. So Abram is given his mission here. The mission is not to go. The mission is literally the mission. The reason why you exist is that through your descendants, through your own line, the entire world will be blessed. You will turn into a nation... And through this nation, all the nations will be blessed. And we know this would come through his descendant, the man, Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh. But there was a lot of problems here. Um, what way do I go? I don't know. Well, God, the problem is I don't have any kids, and you're telling me I'm going to be a nation. God says, I'll give you kids. And Abram's like, by the way, God, I'm 75 years old. How many of you think 75 is a good time to start planning a family? By 75, I hope I have great-grandkids. I don't want to be thinking about having kids at 75. And so God says, it's all right, I got this. 75 is not a problem for me. 
So here's your mission, Abram. You're going to be a blessing to the entire world. So how did Abram respond? Abram responded as if it was an open door because it was. Essentially, he was like, oh, an open door. I'll go through it. But some of you need to know this. In order to go through an open door, you don't have to know what's on the other side. If God calls you to go through it, go through it. I guarantee you, you won't know what's on the other side. If you knew what was on the other side of the door of opportunity, you and I would probably not go through the door of open opportunity because the door of open opportunity always has with it opposition. And most of us, if we knew what the opposition was ahead of time, we would not go forward in order to avoid the opposition, even though that meant avoiding the opportunity. Do you hear me? You don't want to know what's behind the door. But if you go through it, what's waiting on the other side in the long run will always be better. And so God's leading us through doors. We don't need to know what's on the other side. And so Abram finally arrives in the land of Canaan, which we would call today the nation of Israel. Um, throughout history, it's been called the region of Palestine. He leads him to this place along the Mediterranean, this tiny sliver of land to the north of Egypt. And he passes through the land, and once he is there in Genesis 12, verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, To your offspring I will give this land. So Abram built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So here we see the mission that God gives to Abram. The mission becomes a little bit more clear. This is his land. This is where his future nation will reside. This is the land that he would one day possess. And so Abram is essentially called here by God to pitch his tent right here. And so he pitches the tent in Canaan. But the winds came and the rain fell. And more specifically, famine hit. If God calls you somewhere, it will be difficult. If God calls you somewhere, once it gets difficult, you will want to leave. When God calls you somewhere and it gets difficult, do not leave when you want to leave. And so Abram, at this moment, the Bible doesn't say this explicitly. I believe this is what's going on here. It seems as though Abram stops trusting in God, that God will provide for him there in Canaan. And Abram actually, whether he knew it or not, starts trusting in the gods of Egypt and so he heads south to the land of Egypt to rely on the global systems of food and provisions and wealth. And he goes into Egypt because he doesn't trust God. This would be a bad habit for his family from this point forward. And while he's there, he does what any married man would do. Any married man who's married his half-sister. He gets there, and Pharaoh is like, Hey, Abram, your wife? who's 75 years old is really hot. <laughs> yeah, she is, isn't she? Uh, she's 75, but she still, she still got it. She still looks great. And Abram says, oh, don't worry. My 75-year-old hot wife is actually my sister. And so you can have her. And Pharaoh is like, got it. She's mine. Now, Abram was only halfway lying because she wasn't his full sister. She was his half-sister, which makes it completely acceptable. And Pharaoh brings his half-sister into his home, his home and, and Pharaoh's home starts to be cursed. We don't know exactly how, but Pharaoh realizes, whoa, I'm married to now another man's wife who's also his half-sister. And she says, this just feels like Kentucky to me, is what he says. <laughs> and Pharaoh's like, you need, you need to get out of here. And so he kicks Abram out of Egypt and sends him back to the land that was promised to him by God. But here's what I know. Either way, God's working all things together for Abraham's good. Because Abram loved God. And Abram was called according to God's purposes. And so Abram actually came out of Egypt a wealthy man. He messed up. He was dumb. He did a lot of stupid things. 
but God had called him and God had given him a mission and the mission was getting a little bit more clear where it was supposed to take place. And even when he made a bad mistake like the prodigal son who realizes that he shouldn't have gone to the pig pen and he should go back to the father's house just like that, God receives Abram back in the land of Canaan with open arms and actually blesses him despite his stupidity. How many of you have been blessed despite your stupidity? See, what I do oftentimes in my life is God will place a door in front of me, and I'm like, that door looks okay, but I can actually build a better door. And so we have doors of our own making that we will go through. We have doors that we will cut out where no door should be, and we will try to go through those. And sometimes God will allow us to go through the doors that we cut out for ourselves to go through, and he's like, okay, experience what's there on the other side. You're not going to like it, but you can still come home. And so oftentimes when I go through the doors that I build, I realize on the other side that it's no good on the other side of the door that I built. And God calls me back and I can humble myself and I can repent and I can go back through the door God originally had for me. And that's exactly what Abram does. He goes back through the door into Canaan and shortly after returning, he arrives back in Canaan with all of his crew, including his nephew Lot. And if you thought that Abram was a mess, you haven't even met Lot yet. (laughs) How many of you are grateful God can use messed up families? So Abram gets there with his nephew Lot. They're both wealthy. They shouldn't be, but by God's grace, they are. And they're shepherds and they're employees. They start kind of quarreling. The land's not big enough for the both of us. And they're, they're kind of getting along, but they're not getting along. And so finally, Abram's like, we need to part ways. We You you need to go this way. I need to go this way. We're still cool. Everything's all right. But we just need a little bit of space right now. And so they take a little bit of space. Abram tells Lot, you can go where you want to go. And Lot makes the winner choice of Sodom and Gomorrah. He heads down that direction. And Abram picks his direction. And God speaks to Abram at this moment once Lot heads down. And he says in Genesis 13, lift up your eyes and look from the place from where you are. Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. Abram, all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that no one can count the dust on the earth. Your offspring also won't be able to be counted. All right, God, I know my mission, that the world would be blessed through me. The world will be blessed through the nation that's going to come out of my heritage. And God begins to make that mission more clear. It's going to happen here in the land of Canaan. He starts to have a little bit of vision of what this is going to look like. But after he goes back, after messing up, God makes the vision even more clear by telling him, you're going to have all this land. God actually expands, literally, Abram's horizons. He expands Abram's vision to see exactly what it's going to be to the point of saying, you're not just going to have one descendant. You're going to have a lot of descendants, so many that it's going to be like the dust of the earth. The mission was was limited. The vision was even more limited. And originally, this vision just involved one place, but God says, oh, no, you need to expand the vision because everywhere your eye can see, you're going to be able to possess. And so, Take the tent stakes out of the ground and spread them out a little further because I'm stretching you and you're going to inherit this entire place. And God invites Abram through yet another door. And this time it is one more door of faith. The first door of faith was leave everything you know and follow me. He's like, I'm in. He arrives in the place God was leading him, though he did not know where he was going. God says, stay here. Abram says, I won't. I'm going to go to Egypt. He goes from Egypt back into Canaan. When he realizes he's made a mistake, God's like, I've still got you. Let me expand your vision. But I'm going to open another door of faith for you, Abram. And if you want to see this vision come to pass, if you want to see your mission take place, here's what I need you to do. He says in verse number 17, he says, Get up and walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. We receive the grace of God. We receive the grace of God, which is salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We receive it by faith, not works. Amen? Amen. But works accompany faith. God tells Abram, okay, I'm giving you this. Now you go to work. Now you start walking the land. Some of you have so much vision, 
so much vision for your life, dreams for your life, but you're not willing to walk the land. You've put in no work for the vision that God's given you, and you wonder why you're still empty-handed. And God's saying, I've told you things to do. You need to do it. Go out and walk the land. If you've got a dream to be this or this or this, go put it to work. Go and just do something and watch as God provides as you go through that open door. So walk through this, Abram. You see, God gave him what we're going to call this expanded horizon, this expanded vision. And I said it before, but I'll say one more time. Mission is why you exist, but vision is where you're going. Vision is what you want to become on the way. It's where you're aiming for. Limited vision gives limited results. Where an expanded vision leads to expanded Now, the world has taken this concept and twisted it, and some of you young people I know, you hear a lot about just manifesting the future. And, you know, if you can just start to dream something and think it through, then eventually it will happen. Well, that's BS. That's not how things work. Life's not magic like that. Some of you religious people, religion has twisted that and says if you name something and if you claim something in Jesus' name, God will give you whatever you want, and you'll never be sick, and you'll have all the RVs you'd ever want. That's also BS. That's not how life works. Life is not magic. But what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 is that without vision, people perish. Now, that's the King James, and it's not the most accurate translation of what that actually says in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, a better translation is without vision, people cast off restraint. Meaning that if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know the direction that your life is heading, if you don't have a vision for your future, you'll just kind of like let loose. You'll just kind of give up and, and do whatever you want. So without that, people cast off restraint. And in context, it says in Proverbs, but he who keeps the law is happy. The law is the law of God. What this passage is telling us is we find our mission and we ultimately find vision through the word of God. But if we don't have any vision for our life, we just simply perish. We cast off restraint. I was watching a documentary two days ago that just came out on the absolute utter crisis of homelessness in this state. I just talked to, I've talked to too many people the last couple of months who've lost children or grandchildren or loved ones to fentanyl. And we ask, how how do people get there? Well, you're a person too, and you could also get there. We get there because we lose vision for our life. We get there because we give up on life. We get there because we don't know that someone loves us. We get there because people maybe haven't been there for us before. We get there sometimes because we just give up, and each and every one of us could be in that position because without vision, people just cast off restraint, and they just try to live in a tent instead of living in the stars. And some of us live in this absolute poverty mindset where we think that we'll never be able to have anything good, be in a good relationship, experience love, ever ever be blessed because all we know is our past. Where God's saying, hey, I've got a much bigger vision for you than this. Not a vision with stuff, but a vision with passion and purpose. And God has more for us. This stupid door. When we started this series, I was like, we're going to put a door up, and man, this sounds cheesy, and man, this sounds cliche. But we're going to have people walk through the door in faith to see what God has for them on the other side. And I was like, this just seems so dumb. But I'll do it, God, if that's what you're asking me to do. God, so, so dumb, cheesy things you're asking people to do. And I was shocked the first week we did this to see like dozens of people walk through this door to take a step of faith. I was like, what on earth? The next week, same thing. Last week, same thing. People walking through this door with tears in their eyes like, This is just a door, but it represents a step of faith of open doors that God has for you. And someone walked through this door at this last service this morning, and just someone just weeping, saying, I've always been a Christian, but I've never felt like I was passionate about Christ, and God's giving that to me through this. And I don't know why God brought me here, but for the first time in my life, I feel like I actually have some vision. So the reason I labored over this message is because I didn't want to share it. Because next week I'm going to share with you a word I received from the Lord in February 2011 that seems ridiculous. 
And I couldn't remember all the details of this word I received from the Lord in February of 2011, but I knew I had sent an email to someone in ministry about this vision that God gave me, and I sent the email explaining it to them, saying, is this crazy? And they responded back and forth, yeah, you're crazy, but this isn't crazy, and you know, this, this, is, this is from the Lord, and you need to strive towards this, and this is a vision that God's given you. And I, I couldn't find the email yesterday, or it was on Thursday, actually. I couldn't find the email. And so I look, I look it up, and I'm searching for any emails that came from this person or this organization, and they have a missions organization. And here's the first email that came up. It's from October 2017. I never saw this email before. And as I'm looking for the email where I shared this vision, here's the subject line of this email from 2017, the door. Okay, I'm paying attention. I open up the email, and this is what this man and his wife write. They say, we all know the universal phrase, the door of opportunity, but there is important scriptural truth regarding the door of opportunity. Most importantly, in John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door, Anyone who comes in through me will be saved. Didn't I preach on that three weeks ago? Interesting. Oh, paragraph two. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, the Apostle Paul speaks of a great open door of opportunity being open to him for effectiveness. Oh, we preached about that last week. It doesn't appear that Paul was looking at a great open door of opportunity because of the difficulties Paul encountered. Great open doors for effectiveness in the work of the Lord are opened by God himself and it is paramount that we be positioned outside the door when it does open, six years after this email was sent. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 16.9 that included with the great open door of opportunity, there are many who will be in opposition. Oh, we just talked about that too. Doors open by God and significant opposition go hand in hand. The church of the Lord, um, this is a typo here, so the, the, the church uh, has now entered into a time where easily open doors of opportunity will not be prevalent in true kingdom work. Does this mean the church will be less effective? No. We believe that we are entering into a time of great open doors and very significant opposition, but also great effectiveness, written again in 2017. God is opening doors that no one can shut. As he says in Revelation 3.8, he has prepared in secret many spiritual warriors that will now proceed forward unintimidated. Some people only see the open door, some only see the opposition, but effective kingdom people see both and are standing at the door ready when it happens. And then they include some photographs of a steel door in Armenia where they had built a church, and they said God opened up the door for us to open up a church in Armenia that will have impact in Iran and Syria and Iraq and Israel. And the moment I read that email, God reminded me of something that actually was related to the vision I had back in February that just blew my mind. All to confirm that the Lord is doing something right now. He just is. Hasn't God always been doing something? Yes. Isn't Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. Hasn't the Spirit always been on the move? Yes, but I am telling you there's something different, right? There just is. I've seen so many grown men crying about what God is doing in their life these last two months. I've seen so many people who were so far away from God saying, oh, by the way, I want to be in full-time ministry. God is doing something new, and it starts in this young generation that we have today. And I told you last week, there's something special about this Generation Z. There just is. There's something unique, and I don't want to miss it. You will never see the stars inside of a tent. You have to get out of the tent flap, open it up, and step out, and allow God to begin to impart to you vision again. There's limited vision gives you limited, but expanded vision gives you expanded. So I'm going to close, not the door, but the service. The real door opens when the service ends. And I'll invite Ryan to come up in just a minute. But the real reason why I had a hard time sharing this is because I'm going to share with you some things we're doing this summer and fall as a church. And I want to expand on it much more next week as we keep talking about 
this open door for vision. And a couple things we want to do this summer, um, because I believe it's an open door of opportunity. A um, couple things I, I want to do and I want you to partner with this summer. Um, for the months of July, August, and September, we're going to be doing some unique things as a church, July, August, and September. And that is um, beyond just a lot of the other ministry things we're doing. But on July the 2nd, August the 6th, and September the 3rd, we are not having church at all those weekends on Sundays. Say, Pastor, that's sacrilegious. No, it's smart because you don't come to church in the summer. And so what this does is it gives you an open door to have your time because I want you here. I need this church here this summer. We're going to grow this summer. We're going to reach people for Christ this summer. I need you here. This allows you to be here more, actually. So July 2nd, it's a holiday weekend. We're not having church. September 3rd, it's a holiday weekend. We're not having church. However, on August the 6th, so on Sunday, August the 6th, the first Sunday in August, we will be gathering as a church to build our own church community. Um, We're going to have a big family beach party day, and that will be from 1 to 5 p.m. Last year, um, the incredible Tina Johnson said, I don't want to get baptized in a trough. I want to get baptized in the ocean. And I was like, have you been in the ocean here? And so on that beach party day, we, we baptized her, and I think eight other people got baptized that day, kind of spontaneously. And that was amazing, and it sucked because the water was really cold for the pastor who had to be there the entire time baptizing. So this, this time, I'm bringing a wetsuit, seriously. And, um, but we'd like to baptize you. If you haven't taken that step in your faith with Christ, we'll be doing baptisms in the Pacific Ocean. It is ice cold on August the 6th. And during that time, we'll have a lot of games, contests, bonfires, volleyball, all the fixins. And here's what I'd like to have happen, actually. My wife came up with this idea. It's like, I'd like some of you to start talking amongst yourselves later on, not now. So be quiet right now, please. Um, Talk amongst yourself, and I'd love for you guys to just go hang out with people that whole weekend. So some of you might want to go do that thing over at the beach, the losers. And then some of you are like, look at our RVs, you can go do that thing. And some of you who are like, let's just hit up the casino, you can go do that thing. And some of you who are like, let's go here, you can do that thing. And some of you are like, the comfortable hotel um, where my wife and I will be staying, you can do that thing. And so we'll make a whole weekend of it, okay? Uh, So family beach party day, August 6th. So what you need to know, we're not having church the first Sunday of the month in July, August, or September. Got it? Okay. The second Sunday of the month in August and September. The second Sunday of the month in August and September, we're having church, but only downtown those weeks. Um, Don't put up the slide for that, by the way. Only downtown on August the 6th and September the 10th. Next week, I'll tell you where that's going to be. Okay, yes, the second Sunday of the month, August 13th and September the 10th. Downtown only those weeks. We have a magnificent place these services are going to be at. Um, We'll be worshiping our guts out in a 160-year-old space that has a view of the whole city uh, on August the 13th and September the 10th. The third Sunday of the month. The third Sunday of the month here at Sunnyside, following our service, we're going to have community lunches. You can put that slide up. And so we're going to be doing some evangelism in our neighborhood. Dwayne Smiley is heading up. We're going to be inviting our neighbors to our kids' camp. We're going to be inviting our neighbors to our youth camp. We're going to be inviting our neighbors to our church. We're going to be inviting our neighbors to these big community lunches. So on these days, after our service, we'll have free lunch. Uh, We'll have bouncy castles, games, um, hang out, etc. The goal is not to get people to come to our church. The goal is to invite people to have lunch with us and to have conversation with them. And so that will be the third Sunday of the month during the months of July and August. And then finally, for the weeks that we have church at Sunnyside, so the entire month of July except for the first month, uh, the first of the month, and then the, the rest of the Sundays in August, um, we're only going to have one service on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So no 9 a.m., Um, for July and August. No, 11 a.m. for July and August, just 10 a.m. So 10 a.m. at Sunnyside, and then again on the second Sunday of the month in August and September, 5 p.m. downtown only. 
And so we'll gather together. And back in December and January, we just had one 10 a.m. service, and we were way too crowded to do that. I want to do that again, but make it way more crowded because it's going to show you what we need to do to expand our vision and our horizon a little bit is pack this place out uncomfortably, okay? So those are some things that we are doing. And then just to add a little bit of family connection during the summer as well, we will be um, on July the 9th, um, we'll be doing an event that Kristen Oakleberry has labeled Occupying the Hive. It sounds like a cult. It's not. Uh, we're going to go have lunch together at the Beehive. And then on July the 23rd, um, we are going to go take over the yard food park that week too. And so a lot of opportunities to connect with people, a ton of opportunities for evangelism this summer, a ton of opportunities to serve our community, and a lot of other things we're not talking about. Um, but we need you to pull it off. And next week, I'll give some very, very specific specifics. But if you say, I'd like to support this, how can I financially? Would you come talk to me after the service? Um, I want to show you some specific places that we need some money to make that happen, mainly to pay for all these lunches. Because when we're downtown, we're going to be having block parties as well for our downtown neighborhood. And we want to bless that neighborhood also. And we need some funds to see that take place. So you guys understand? Next week, we'll make it more clear. You'll start getting emails, website updates, everything like that. But the summer is going to look different. Uh, and the reason it's going to look different is in September, our goal, the reason we're doing all this, the goal is to have a service every week downtown and a service every week here as we expand our vision. And so those of you who've been enjoying downtown, we have our last downtown service tonight um, until August. So come tonight, 6.30 p.m. The Ike Box, we're only worshiping tonight. Uh, ministering to each other, giving some words of encouragement, just waiting on God, see what God will do. This will be our last time meeting before August. If you've never been to a downtown service before, there's something different about it. What? I don't know. There's something different about it. Um, come and experience that. Let's worship together. This is your last opportunity to do it before we gather together in August as a church. So would you stand? Let's bow your head as we go into a time of prayer. God, I thank you for, most importantly, you. Thank you, God, for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for your life, death, and resurrection. Thank you for grace. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for faith. Thank you that our faith produces works. God, you've created us for good works. You prepared them so that we could walk in them, Lord. We've got so many people today listening online, uh, just being here in person. So many of us got a lack of vision. And God, without vision, we're perishing. So God, if we've got some vision, would you please give us some more, not for our sake, but for yours? God, for those with, with strong conviction and mission, but, but needing direction of where to go or how to proceed, would you give them vision for the step ahead? Lord, especially for those who've lost their vision, who've given up on their vision, I pray that today you would resurrect it. Resurrect the vision. As we start to sing this last song, um, we're going to open up this door again. We'll have this here for this entire series going through the month of June. Um, but I just want to invite you if, you, if you need God to give you some vision for your life, for his glory, for his purposes, and for your good, maybe you need a vision for your marriage today because you've lost sight of your vows. Maybe you need a vision for your next step because you don't have employment right now. Maybe you need a vision for your ministry that God has entrusted you with, and he wants to give you today vision. I want to invite you um, in a moment as we seem to start filtering through this door and we'll have some pastors on the other side um, who, who will join in prayer for you. I, um, Matt, I see you in the back. From, you're here from Be Bold. I've never met you in person, but good to meet you in person right now. <laughs> that is you, right? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So Matt and your wife's name is Anna? Okay. Yeah, God has put you on my heart the whole time I was speaking and this couple is doing amazing things in our city. Um, they have started what's called, it's Be Bold Street Ministries, right? Yeah, Be Bold is doing amazing work. I mentioned the crisis in our state of homelessness. Th this is boots on the ground doing something about it with the gospel as the focus. And, and um, I've talked to a lot of ministers in our city um, who are tired of the way that these issues are being handled because the gospel is not the focus, not with these guys. So um, I know that our church is partnering with Matt and Anna. I know our serve director, Kayleen, 
has been working with them as well as Jessica Augsburger. And they are, um, if you're looking for vision and just want to see how you can be involved in ministering to people on the streets, um, these, these are the guys to do it with. Uh, so our church is partnering with them. I think they're going to come share this fall. I don't know why you guys are here today, but um, listen, God is going to expand your vision. You are doing great things, and this is going to stretch beyond our city, and, it, and it's going to stretch further beyond our city because you guys are setting a way. You're setting a path that others need to follow, and that's because the gospel is what's taking you forward. Don't, don't stop that, okay? Keep, keep the gospel the gospel, and you guys are doing amazing. I, I am so humbled that you are here. So humbled that you are doing great work in our city. And the local church doesn't need to recreate the wheel, by the way, guys. Um, the local church needs to partner with people who've got a great wheel. Yeah. This is an organization that's got a great wheel. And if you want to do street ministry, these are the guys to do it with, hands down. And um, would you guys actually come up? Can, would you be okay if I laid hands on you and prayed for you while you're here? Before, before we invite people through the door. Cool. Susan, you want to come up and lay hands on them and pray? Good to meet you in person. Cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. Will you extend hands this way as you pray for them? God, thank you for this, this couple. Thank you for their family, God. Thank you for your deliverance and for your mission that you've given, God, for uh, this couple and their family and their organization to be bold for the sake of you, for the sake of the gospel. Lord Jesus, we love our city. We love each person that calls this city their home, whether they have a home or not. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would use your church to help bring the solutions that this city needs, that this state needs, and that the Pacific Northwest needs. God, we are in a place of darkness that you are calling us to be a light in. There are so many in this room today that have tried to move, but they couldn't because you wanted them to be a light here. Um, sorry, not sorry. God, thank you so much for letting us be a light in this time and place in this season of Open Doors. Bless Matt, bless Anna, bless Be Bold. Provide for them abundantly, God. Expand their vision. God, I pray that you would strengthen their marriage, their family, God. Strengthen their finances and that they would have no worry because they are following your steps and they know that every step is ordered by you and that every step they take, you are providing for all that they have need for, God, and then some. Bless them beyond their needs, God. Bless them. Let them be a pillar, a trophy, an example of what faithfulness looks like for the kingdom of God and for the world as they are watching and as they declare the, the magnificence of the God who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Um, walk through that door on the way out. Okay, it represents vision. So come, come on up and be prayed for if you'd like today, but let's stand and sing, and uh, Susan will come up and dismiss you here in just a second. Ready for the